0: Blob Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt! Now look at my friend!
1: Open the circuit to the wave motion gun. Open the circuit. The
0: receiver pressure increases. All the ship's energy is now in the wave motion gun. I doubt anyone
1: here would recognize civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass. Oh, did I hurt your feelings. The Magneto's right. There's a war coming. You sure you're on the right side?
0: I mean video store Good lord I have said that <laughs> Over like two three hundred times I think
1: <laughs>
2: And
0: four hundred episodes Damn And as oh, usual God. we have The man with the gunshot eyes Bike house
3: I, I am honored to be here on show number Four hundred It is a real honor
0: and the reason his eyes are that way is because of all the editing he do did on his <laughs> soon-to-be-finished book. Yes. Have you even got a title I, I know we spoke
3: yet? about. I I. It's just gonna it's gonna be spaghetti westerns, but it's gonna be, uh, you know, it's gonna be something spaghetti westerns. Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? It's it's but it's. It's close. Um, the Zin uh, Zina Guru. Legend, Tim Paxson's um, designing the cover. Uh, Tom Betts, the spaghetti western expert, wrote a blurb for the back cover. Um, and somebody's writing a introduction for it, which I'm still waiting on. And I've got other people that are, you know, kind of just adding a little bit. But this is pretty much me here. And only because I just want to kind of see how it floats, you know, see how it go from there. So. But it's, it's. I would say at the end of the month. I would say by the end of the month for sure. Possibly sooner. I mean everything's set up. It's just waiting on a couple things. So. I originally, you know, I I'm going to go with spaghetti westerns, and then like I said, you know, and I want to do volumes of these books. Originally, I was going to do it as a zine, but a magazine. A, you know magazine. And then, you know, Tim Paxton had suggested that I do them in books. So, I mean, when Tim Paxton suggests you do something, well, you do it, right? <laughs> when it comes to books and publishing. So, yeah, I mean, so. But well, that's where that sits.
0: Like, I name drop people. I've had them on my podcast before conventions, and they're like, magazine guys are like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I work for Tim Paxton. Oh. <gasps> You know him
1: <laughs>
3: I know. You know, I believe me, when I first started doing this stuff you know, really I'm relatively new to all this, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years ago. I can't even remember now, but yeah, I used to annoy the fuck out of him and and, and Steve Fenton, but you know but y you, you know, after a while, you know, you realize you know, why you know, where they are and how they got there by putting, you know, but, you know, just the quality of what they put out, so. But mm-hmm. especially Tim, you know, I don't speak as much to Steve because, you know, but Tim I do converse quite a bit on online with, so. And he's definitely, he deserves the title of yeah. magazine or Zion Master. Zion Master. And
0: the problem is, is the best title for your book is already taken up. by by Latrina Forums Mm
3: -hmm. as
0: their Spaghetti Western Forum title. What's that? My mule doesn't like to be laughed at.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. And, and you know, some of these, too, like um, Kevin Grant's book, an outstanding, and, and you know, the best book, quite frankly, that will ever be written, encompassing the whole genre, you know, Any Gun Can Play, which is... I mean, you know, an amazing title, and there's plenty of them like that, and I may eventually, you know, I'm still kind of just, you know, messing around with it right now, but, you know, for the thing with something like that is when you put it on Amazon, if you don't have those keywords and you don't have that keyword in there when people are searching, you can kind of fall, you know, down into the cracks a little bit, so, yeah. Uh, I figured with the spaghetti westerns, blah, 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 something that when people put in spaghetti westerns, bam, it's going to show up, so, but, yeah, so, but it's coming into this month. This
0: pretty much is the last of the top five, I would say, fan favorites of Shaw that's easy to get, because mm-hmm. if we built right. ones and, that easy to get, we'd have to deal with titles like uh, Street Gangs of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. The Angela Mao Trilogy, which it was so done, man, that they had a at the Consumer Video Expo that they were uh, pulling the year that they stopped Dragon Dynasty, they had the set made. It was on display. It had a release date.
3: Right, right. Did any of them ever sneak out? Or did they never mm, even no. know? No, okay. That was just spoken I was hoping, yeah. never. Right. What happened no, I was know that... that
0: you'll agree the first batch of Shaw's that they put out, they put out two of the most well-known ones. And then three or more that most entry-level Shaw Brothers fans wouldn't even know. Hmm. Right. my dear auntie uh cone drink with me and heroes of the east
3: right right I, y- you know i think that and i know i know some of their films because i know i bought them at there i know they were distributed and sold through at walmarts so i yeah. mean they had they had you know that network to be able to put them in them places so there was that networking there, but yeah. the, you know the titles you just listed. I'm sure that when it came to those titles, the, you know, it, they might have. You know, I'm sure they didn't get the kind of quantity that they did out of the. You know the. The uh, re, uh, uh, the Venoms, the Five Deadly Venoms, and I think they released it under the return of the Five Deadly Venoms, right? Instead of Crippled yeah, Masters. Yeah, no.
0: You'd be shocked. Those were some of the last titles that Dragon Dynasty put out. Well,
3: wow, see, to me, titles that, would... that What? No. Right, go ahead. The two
0: titles that was pretty much on the highest request of what. The fans wanted from Dragon Dynasty. They didn't do. Mm. Because I think they had the rights to every Venom film but House of Traps. Okay. Though I've never seen a real... Have you seen a legit DVD of uh, Golden Arm?
3: I... Where I've got one, but, uh, now, now, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to locate it. But I could have swore I've got one, but I, I can't really honestly tell you how legit it is. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. – but I'm pretty sure I've got it. Some, well, you, you know, I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but we can – I'll let you know. But it's I thought the there was. I could be wrong. Two.
0: They did huh? some of four great ones, but they didn't have a solid gold title.
3: Yeah. It must be like weird shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which of course we would. But yeah, yeah no. I, I agree. I think the thing with you know, and there, some of this is just a hard sell, you know what I'm saying? To to me to us it isn't. You know to us it's like holy shit, you know. And I go I I mean I still to this day, you know, even though I've got all, uh, quite a few of the Shaw brothers and I bought the Regents, 3 to 3s, I believe. Stuff like that. I still to this day, it's like if I go to a place, I'm like, damn, you know. If I see something there, even if I have it, I'm just like, damn, you know, wow. But it's it's just a hard sell, I think. You know, you know, some things are just so kind of nichey that, you know, I mean, not niche- you know, like karate films or hung- you know, you know, there's just that, you know, that so many people that would buy them. You know, Italian Westerns, there's just that many people that would buy them, you know. But, you know, and it's, and like I said, I think just because people are so used to, you know, the bad mainland China Hong Kong film, you know, karate films or kung fu films rather, that they kind of shy away from anything, you know, and even kind of it all gets lumped into one there. But, but well, you know, yeah, I remember they w-
0: should have gone for their sure thing titles at first.
3: I agree, build, I mean, build, build, build. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Not
0: kill Bill. I would have put out a. Uh, well, yeah, I would have put out Five Fingers of Death and uh, the Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin. But I also would have mm. put out the first two Venom films.
3: Right. Which we're going to be doing the
0: second one tonight. And if and, you and ever you know, seen this watch us with us. Watch the movie first, please.
2: Let me.
3: Okay. Oh, you gonna say? Oh, no. nothing. No, I'm just getting everything set up. I'm already set up, but. Yeah. Just bringing my remote back to life there. Yeah.
0: This one really was a sensation when it was uh, released on the deuce.
3: My, oh because, I can ima- I could imagine. I could imagine.
0: Yeah. Well it wasn't like we were... and we'll get into it. The level of violence.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's we like you said, we'll get into it, but yeah, it's you know, it's it's over the top is all I can say.
1: Oh, yeah. And and
3: whoever, if you've never seen this film it's just you know, it starts off violent. And it just stays all the way through. And, and, you know, like we had talked about, you know, before we went on the air about how, you know, the main antagonist, his son, you know, why he's such a piece of work is, I mean, it shows you in this film why. I mean, so while you don't like his arrogance and the way he acts to a point, you understand where, you know, he's coming. So so the violence isn't just... You know, random per se. It's just, you know, a continuation of violence.
0: Yeah. And, okay, everybody, we're on the chapter menu from Dragon Dynasty on one iron. Well, just chapter one, because the titles give away everything. <laughs> and, are you ready?
3: Oh, let me turn this volume down here real quick. Okay. There we go.
0: Okay. And press start in five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay. Dragon Dynasty, the experiment that could have been great, but somehow they screwed it up. And these guys own, I think, the rights to over half of all Shaw Brothers movies, Celestial.
3: Right. I know. I think they own all of them. Didn't they buy the whole catalog? I mean, there might be a... F- I'm pretty sure they bought the whole catalog. I'm thinking there's Maybe 700, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Or at least they own the majority, let's let's put it like that. I thought they had bought everything. I know there was a, um, a documentary on, it was floating around on YouTube, you know, Celestial and some of the stuff that they work, you know, that a lot of these were, which I would have thought Charles would have taken care of them, but a lot of these films were in distress and stuff like that, so... It's probably a good thing they did come along and you know can get these and clean them up. So.
0: And again, there is the temple opening that has been used so many times.
3: <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact.
0: And when they you say know, do the ten tigers, they're referring to the ten tigers of Kwantan.
3: Right. Right. Which
0: didn't Shaw do like two or three of them? I know I one think of they them did. was actually called. Ten Tigers of Jun.
3: Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, they might have done. Like I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. No, I'm I'm good. All right.
0: This is one of the few movies I've ever seen that represents the ten tigers in a bad light.
3: Right, right.
0: See, here we go. Cut his son's arms off and his mother's legs off.
3: Wow, ain't that Jesus. something else.
0: Huh?
3: <laughs> And it's it's right and off the bat. These
0: are good guys, folks.
3: That's a fact, right? Yes, and it's um, Cheng Che, the director of this film. You know, we know he loved his violence, or you know, he, he, he you know he loved to include the violence in his films. But to, to me, this is this is over the top when it comes to the violence.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: this is you know the the pinnacle to me of you know, what he could get away with violence-wise. And, you know, it almost makes me wonder, you know, when he took this film to say, you know, to Run Run Shaw, and they, and they, which I think he was part of every film's day-to-day operation, but, you know, it just would make me want, you know, wonder what his opinion of what this film was when he first saw it. I mean, you know, I know he had broached some nastier subjects with, you know, with um, Killer Snakes you know, and some of the other ones, The uh, I know, you know, the uh, some of the different films that he had, you, you know, they were kind of going for that, obviously, they were shooting for some of the, you know, to be released in some of the, you know, like you were talking about in New York, some of the grindhouse theaters and stuff like that, so they were kind of playing to that market also, but this to me is the pinnacle of, of just pure violence.
0: And plus, this is sort of a fuck you to uh, Jimmy Wang Yu. Oh, you're the mm. one arm boxer? We have a no-armed boxer. Ah,
3: ah, ah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ching Shih directed that film. And I believe, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but also the same writer for that film wrote, I believe, the screenplay and the story for this film. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Maybe Nai Kang or something like that. But um, yeah. So and, and you, you know this, you you take that one armed, you, you know the Jimmy Wang Yu one armed swordsman character, and you take that tenfold, which we'll see as this goes on. But it's 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 taking you know the the handicapped the handicapping of people of
1: yeah. to another
3: level here. <laughs> I mean, everything, you know, is handicapped to the characters which we eventually will be introduced to, one by one. And, and, and you know, if you look at this father, the son, you, you know, these dudes were in um, Asian film and, um, you know, spaghetti westerns, films like that where, you know, the the evil town boss... You know, they would ridicule and, and torture the locals. You know, the the, the, ta- the evil town boss. You know, and that's yeah. that's these films are kind of ripe with that, which is is a is a good plot device because it enlists people's emotions into it. Because obviously, you know, nobody wants to feel like they're living in that repressed, you know, in a repressed society like these people are.
0: And what's funny is. Is that the guy who's playing the head bad guy? Is usually the gentle, loving father.
3: True, <laughs> true.
0: Like true. he was killed at the first. Wasn't? Yeah, he was like the head of the school and one-armed swordsman, wasn't he?
3: Uh, yeah, I believe you're right. And you know this, I've iy you know, I've always kind of thought about this film. Now this is a, a Sergio Cabucci. This this is a a wet dream film for him. I mean, you know, his perching for having handicapped people in his you know in his westerns, or people with handicaps in his westerns, starting you know as far back as Minnesota Clay. There was a mute in that. There was Clay who was going blind you know, right on down, you, you know, to the great silence, you know, the silence couldn't talk, mm. he always kind of had that handicapped person in there, this film just takes it to another level, you know, this is kind of like, there's nihilism, there, there's violence, and there's, you know, the the handicapping of people, which, I mean, you know, the silence and the great silence is, mm. you know, obviously was, you know, with his hands at the end, and, but, um, this, to me, is like it's his wet dream. <laughs>
0: yeah, and this one is definitely heavy on the castration subtext.
3: True, and, and you once know, yeah. Once
0: hand and you know.
3: True, very true.
0: But that really gets into something that I've never seen a U.S. film get into: is that once you've lost the ability. To do kung fu, you've lost your
3: manhood. Mm, good point. Good point. But, but to, you know, to a point, I you know, as for what all this is worth, you know, basically a film, you know, showing dismemberments, you know, and, and robbing people, you know, of their... Um, you, you know of, of their limbs or you know reasoning or, or whatever it may be hearing is the fact that that shows you though if you practice 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 kung fu what you can achieve so to a point i mean i guess you would have to look that it does have that uh, uh, you know as, as bad as it is it does have that uplifting message
0: hey thunder's here <laughs> Yes. If you, well, if you don't love Big Trouble in Little China, what the hell are you listening to this show for? Uh, <laughs> the guy who plays his son right there is the same one who played
3: Lightning. Mm. That, you, you know what? That's, that's a, I have, It's a movie that I have not seen in years, but I remember the first time I seen it, I was absolutely blown away with it, loved it.
0: But, yeah, I mean, who knows how many times we have seen these sets.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, there's there's people that do, you know, I've got quite a few books sitting around here that people go to the locations, you know, like of spaghetti westerns and they take pictures. You know, of course there's not much standing, you know, but um they go to these places, take pictures, and match them up with the films. You know, but you often wonder what happens to all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? What happened to all this stuff once Shaw went down? You know what I mean? Uh, Was it taken, put it into storage? Did they just demolish it and throw it in? Uh, uh, to it, me, they, that's interesting. Is
0: Yeah, they. I think they pretty much demolished it. I know they sold all the swords and stuff in an auction.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I see some stuff every once in a while pop up on eBay and stuff like that. It'll say, you know, shawl used, you know, um, uh, prop or whatever, but you know how that works.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know you know, if I believe that or not, because it doesn't come with any kind of, you know, the ones that I've seen doesn't come with any kind of um, um, COD or COA, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. And what's funny is this is making fun. There's always the one scene in kung fu movies where it has the new badass in town walk in and the bad guys just start coming in and talking shit so he takes them apart.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, let's face it, each, to me, you, you know, it's the same thing again. You know, each time this, you know, the, the the uh, protagonists come in, they get beat up. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and they have to, you know, bide their time to eventually, you, you know, to get their revenge.
0: Yeah.
3: But the, the you know, that a lot of these films... was in
0: spaghetti westerns, wasn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. The hero guy who basically gets his ass whipped.
3: Yeah, yeah. And... and and, you know, a lot of it, at least with these films, you know, the the kung fu films, you know, they show the after effects, you know, of, of a battle. You know, they don't, you know, I'm, I watch these, you know, the spaghetti westerns, and these dudes will take one hell of a beating. And you're like, dude, and then the next scene, he's rolling around in the dirt and shooting people. And, you, you know, and he doesn't even have a mark on him. You know. And how beautiful
0: was that shot?
3: That's yeah. something
0: that H. G. Lewis uh, thought of, and he first used. Well, he used it in *Scum of the Earth*, which was right when the big injury happened. It had that big flash of red.
3: Right. Yeah, and what was the film that did that with? Uh, it was in the '70s film movie, and it flashed red. I I remember watching it on TV as a kid but I cannot remember what the name of that is now. It had Patrick O'Neill in it. I remember that much but I cannot remember what the name of that film is. But yeah, you you know Dragon Dynasty, what we were were talking about, you, you know I respect the attempt you know, but like you said, there just obviously something happened there to where they couldn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't foresee, you know, the direction they were going and and didn't understand maybe, you know, that you got to build something like that first with your most popular titles. What we were talking about, and and it's and it's a shame, because really, I mean, there's really nobody releasing these Shaw Brother films over here now.
0: Yeah. I mean, so what, you know, I... I,
3: Go ahead. Dragon Dynasty
0: started their series right when the bottom was falling out of the DVD market.
3: And and also the Hong Kong, you know, VCD, CD, or uh, DVD market also. You know, for some reason, I just think because a lot of the stuff that the, the Hong Kong films were inferior quality, and I... And I think that had a lot to do with not saying that the Shaw Brothers were, but you know, if you buy a lot, if you bought a lot of DVDs from, you know, that were made in Hong Kong or were Region Three or Region, even made into Region One here, a lot of them the, the quality was pathetic, I mean to say the least. And you know, you would expect an upgrade on a DVD from, you know, what you might have had on, on a on a VHS or a bootleg or whatever. Yeah. But, but you know, not that the Shaw Brothers were, or Dragon Dynasty was, but, you know, I just think that things hit a point there, and bam, you know, and it just it fell off the table. I mean, and, and yeah. the, the thing is, with Hong Kong films, there is so much untapped stuff there. I just, I don't understand it. You know, to, to me, it just, it makes no freaking sense why... You know, do we need another freaking copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, you, you know, and we'll release another one and another one and another one. It's just like, okay, that's,
0: yeah. you know, Boy but the you got killer, all these. Uh, hard-boiled.
3: Yeah, I mean, you've got all the Category 3 films over there. You know, I mean, imagine releasing, getting them, you know, and But I don't know the quality of the prints over there, yeah. so I can't really say a lot. But, you know, not all of them have, are destroyed. You know, so there has to be these prints sitting over there somewhere. To me, it just would be a no-brainer unless, you know, most of that stuff is damaged beyond control, you know, beyond repair. I don't know.
0: God, that's a beautiful shot. No sound and just... Yeah. But who wants to buy Fist of Legend with Jet Li with a third time from Miramax and it's still the same cut version?
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know that's I don't, that's a good question. That is a good question. I got that. I got that film sitting right there. I just looked at it. You're right. <laughs> I I don't know. I you you know I honestly, Stephen. I just think that we're you know we're not the norm. Let's face it. I mean we might as well just face it, dude. And other people you know, listening out more, there, it's, what's
0: just, it's just that we had guys like Tim Paxton, the guy behind Asian Trash Cinema, uh, Michael Weldon right. over Cyclotronic. We had yeah. guides.
3: Pete Toombs, yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked about our favorites. Nowadays, yes. most of
0: these internet reviewer types Ooh. don't want to push. You know, it's like this movie is okay, but if you like this movie here,
3: you know, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna piss. You know, I'm good at pissing people off. You you probably know that by now, Stephen. But yeah. yeah but but you know. Until somebody can have a little depth into a into a genre, to me you can't really you, you know what I'm saying. Like to what we were talking about the other day. You know, if I decided, listen, I'm going to start writing reviews about rom coms. Yeah, I'd be the dumbest fucker in the world because I don't have a clue about. I've, I've maybe seen a handful of them in my whole life. Yeah. So. So when a person approaches, you know, Shaw Brothers, when they approach Spaghetti Westerns, when they, and they have only seen a handful of films, how can somebody comment on, you know, the whole breadth? Yeah, you can comment on the one film, but to a point you can't because you don't know the whole, you know, the whole scope of the genre you know even what you're coming from. You know, for us to talk about this film and say, okay, I watched this, blah, blah. you know, there was a, a Venoms film before this. There was the director who made a lot of violent fil- violent and great films before this. So, And we were talking about, and I'm not going to name names here, <laughs> but we were talking about a, a piece that was written on spaghetti westerns. And somebody said, that you know, we could both tell, which like I said, I'm not going to say anything, but we could both tell that whoever wrote this had just seen the classics of the genre. They hadn't yeah, seen. Yeah, blow. Let's it,
0: just put it that way.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, you know, to me, it's you know, it's just I don't know. You know, so I don't know. You know, so I, I, don't know. You, you know, so,
0: I can explain it. you. You know, I don't. I don't like like. It's like, easy uh, to say this is a bottom film and I like it. Right. And then, well, why did you like it?
3: Right. 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 Yes. Yeah, I I just you know, and I'm not acting like I'm anybody or anything by saying any of that, but but you know, I you know, I get you know me and I know you. You yeah. know both of us, you know I mean, we talk movies if we get online, we talk That's all we talk about is freaking movies. You know, and your scope is a freaking hell of a lot wider than mine. And you've seen shit that I'm like, dude, wow, you know, okay. And I am I realize that I'm kind of, but I don't go out, you, you know, when we're talking about stuff, if you're telling me this movie's damn good, you know, I'm listening to you. Because I know that you've seen enough of these movies, you know, to, to know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, but, you know, you have to have, a little bit more than just a casual acquaintance into these films to really be no you can't be a film historian. I think to be a film historian you have Um Don't you have to have a degree or some crap or
0: No, you have to have a serious love for it and be able to write seriously about it while still being a fanboy at the same time.
3: Well, well, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. But you know, I just look at it all as you, you know, as just have a little bit of depth and scope, you know, and, and realize the scope yeah. of of stuff before you, you know, before people comment too much. You know, you can talk about a movie, you you know, but this, just review the movie and move on, but you you know, you have to also look into the past. And that, and that's the thing that I love about writing about movies and I absolutely hate because you know something, I'll sit there and watch something and, then it'll and it'll lead to this and it'll lead to this and it'll lead to this. And it's just, and then sometimes, you know, I've been talking about writing um, something on the ghost of Yadzua for forever but each time i get a little bit closer i realize you know some i haven't seen this i haven't seen this i haven't seen this i haven't read, you know so it's just you know that yeah, and then that's to me really that, uh,
0: i think there's about 15 to 20 adaptions of
3: at, it at, at,
0: it and iomon
3: at, at least and just the ones that ripped a little bit and you know and so i mean there's uh, there's a lot let's just put it like that and so it's one of them things yeah you don't have to see every freaking film but you have to at least see the films you know that are available so you can see where it went from you know from A to B you know for us to sit and not watch you know um, come drink with me or one armed swordsman you know when we're watching Shaw Brothers that's how we get to where we you know and when we've seen all these films but we've at least seen the films to get us to you know to where we can feel comfortable and comment on some of these films and and to a lot of it you know you have to have like i said you have to have some depth into a into a um into a genre i mean it's just as simple as that you know to be yeah. uh, to
0: well, be able to comment and comment
3: well on it let's put it yeah. like that
0: it's like when I got Golden Swallow, I didn't mm-hmm. know it was a sequel to Come Drink with Me.
3: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know this is, you, you know, I, I remember, I was, you know, this is the '80s, and I remember yeah. I was dating a girl and, we, and she lived in a in a trailer.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, the thing that sticks, you know, she would work, she worked second shift. So, you know, sometimes I would go over there and wait for her or whatever. And, of course, I was the person since, you know, I think she got off at 11 or something. So I was the dude out renting these movies, you know, at the video stores or whatever. And, you know, I would go home. And, of course, when she came in, she was pissed because, you know, when she walked in, it was either horror films, it was westerns, or it was kung fu films. You know, but you know, I would sit and watch kung fu movie after kung fu movie after kung fu movie, and we, you know, we had talked about, you know, some of the uh, kung fu theaters and stuff like that in the 70s and stuff like that. It's just, it's not bragging or anything. It's just a badge of honor that we have. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. You know, well, when kung
0: you're in theater, was the first time that they released. Such a big glut of The martial art film to a theater I mean to home
3: Right Right Yeah it's Yeah but You know it's um You know And the thing what we were talking about
0: Trampoline there
3: (laughs) And we need to um you know these films need you know to be released here. You, you know, to me, see, I, I I'm not sure what what celestial charges you know for you to be able to release. A film. I know 88 Films did some over in the UK, and I think they're Region Two, right? Yeah, uh, yeah Region Two. But you know, the thing is, is um, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, it's it's the yeah. fact that. These films need rele- these, these films need religion, religion one releases with, you know, and I'm sure a lot of these dudes that, you know, that, or quite a few of these guys are still alive. You know, that were nice. in the Shaw Brothers and, the, you know, Jimmy Wang, you, you know, in the 60s, 70s, P.P. Shang, all these. And while before, you know, they die, let's get this shit, you know, some interviews recorded, you know, where at least they have subtitles. To mm. where we can get some, you know, before it's gone. That's why, like, you know, the small companies like Wild East, you know, the really spaghetti westerns, and somewhat with the bigger ones like Arrow and stuff like that. They're at least they're tracking people down, doing interviews with these people, yeah. you know, before
0: Wild you know we lose East, them, but we know, lose their stories. Is the exception, not the rule. As in, they would take movies that haven't been released here, or Who, were released hold on, hold on, in see. flawed versions.
3: Well I lost you there. What was the first thing you said?
0: Uh, Wild East, they took these right. obscure right. spaghetti films, or ones that we knew, but we didn't know that there was a half hour missing. It's
3: true. True. Very like, true. A minute
0: to pray, a second to die with James Coburn.
3: No, that's Alex C- Cord. Right, Alex Corey. Well, what's
0: the one with James Coburn and Telly uh, tell
3: Find a No, hold on uh, It's Massacre at Fort Holman But it's also something else um,
0: Yeah Or
3: may, you, Maybe you read it right, I don't know Yeah.
0: But the point is, is that that version Is missing 30 minutes
3: Right, yeah Yeah it, it, It's um, Yeah Yeah it, it, but they they do stuff that, like you said, that a minute to pray, a second to die is Alex Cord, and that's yeah. was released by Kino, and Kino did not release release the international uncut version. I think a company in Germany is releasing it, or already did release, and that was kind of one of them fabled ones that, you know, with that was the ending was cut. From almost every, and what was cut out of those movies, you know, somebody had maybe put together and tried to, but there was somebody eventually stumbled onto a nice-looking European print of it, and that—that's what I've heard. Now I know that, like I said, maybe I don't think it was Koch. I cannot make—I cannot remember who it was, but it was a German company was going to release it on Blu-ray. Yeah. But the other one is Massacre at Fort Holman, which you know the other. Yeah. It's slipping my mind right now. But it's James Colburn. That, a or...
0: lot of us didn't see the uncut versions of the Shaw films
1: mm-hmm.
0: until really 2003 two, thousand three, four when the downloading scene was pretty much legit. Not this crap nowadays where we're still in illegal movies. It was like, hey, you want to see Dirty Ho? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta go download it. Hey, right. you wanna see the uncut version of uh the Crippled Avengers? Yeah. You gotta go download it. <laughs> and they would now, I, go uh, and those guys would go to the trouble of not only making the film look good but making your own subtitles for it. Right.
3: Like even and there was today, a big
0: Arrow uses the fan dubs of the Sartana films.
1: Right. hmm Yeah. And I can that see is. why
0: people love this one, because this one, there's no respite. This is just action, 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 it action, is. action, action.
3: It is. It is. It's a fact. You're right. And that's why it's, it's just... so easy
0: for them to go, you know, get into it. It's like, oh, this one has ass-kicking all the way through.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it, you know, when you watch this, your thought is, now what are these going to, you know, you know it's awesome they found each other. It's amazing. But what yeah. are they going to do? You know, how are they going to band together to do anything? You know what I'm saying? And, and to me, it's, it makes it one of them films where, you know, you just have to watch it to see the conclusion of it because that's what you want to see what you know, you have to see what's going to happen here. And, and, it, and the fact is that they just... It's non-stop action. It's just like... You know, it's amazing. It's, it really is a, a great put-together film. And you know what? For just pure exploitation... I mean, you can't get a much better film than this.
0: Yeah, and there's a tavern. I don't know how many films we've seen that in.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was... What did we see the other day where it was? I seen yeah, one the other day where they were at that.
0: The reason <laughs> that this movie has pretty gotten more popular under the title Return of Five Deadly Venoms is a lot of people got screwed up and confused Crippled Masters.
1: The one with the
0: Malahai Babies is kind of <laughs> eww to watch.
3: Yeah.
0: Over this True. one, which is called Crippled Avengers.
3: Right. And the thing with this movie, I am sure that... Do you think this film could be made now?
0: Good Lord, no. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, so, I mean, it's I'm definitely amazed. not... It's a It's a 70s politically incorrect movie for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm amazed because those were... T- t- the. They touched two taboo wor- words over from uh Hong Kong and Asia in this movie. Which is crippled and retard.
3: Mm, right. Right.
0: Remember horror of, horrors of malformed men. Oh yeah. That's banned over there because the whole subject of being disabled is one of the biggest taboos you can get into. We don't want right. to talk about that. That's some crippled people. We feel yeah. bad yeah. for them and feel guilty. Oh, we ain't going to talk about it. But, yeah, over here, this one was a immediate hit.
3: And, and, and uh, you can just imagine... You, you know, how big, you know, how this would play in, in any any theater, in the, you know, a, a grindhouse or a film, you know, or, or a theater kind of like that, you know, that they kind yeah. of went for the exploitation fair. You could just imagine how well this went over.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, it's, and, and you know, the thing with the Shaw Brothers, which we've talked about in all the shows, is just the fact that you know, the cinematography, the direction, you know, the backgrounds, every these these films are beautiful films to look at. Yeah. So this ain't this mainland crap where they fill you know, they've filmed the majority of it of it outside, you know, in the conditions and the sun and a lot of it's bleached out and you can't even see what's you know, half the time what's going on. This these were craftsmen here, you know, at, at yeah. Shaw Brothers. And
0: what's funny in this is not racist. If you wanted to get hold of the Shaw Brothers films or the good kung fu films, you had better hope to God that you had a black flea market close to you.
2: Hmm.
0: Because in a black flea market, there's always that one table of the guy that had nothing but kung fu films.
3: Yeah, the African-American community really, really embraced these films, and it's probably, you know, it, I, I can't speak for it because I don't know, but, but you, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, to me that that was, that's for sure, that was the highlight of the flea markets was finding the one dude, no matter who, what, you know, that had that crap, you know, yeah. and it's just, I remember I went to a flea market in this little shitty one down from where I live now, and this was probably 80 or 90 to, well, let me see, maybe 92 or 93, and the dude had just in a crap load of um, something weird video, VHS tapes. And I thought at the time, I mean, like, it was shit like, man, what the hell is this dude doing out in the middle of this dusty-ass shithole? And you know, and I bought a bunch of them, and eventually, with the wife, you know, the ex-wife, they got left, you know. But, you, you know, crap like that used to, in the day used to be like, what, You know what I'm saying? Buying that shit in bulk, throwing it in your fuck car, and running home the watch. I'm like, wow. And you know, guy, wasn't this? And the
0: guys ran those tables like a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> they knew who who was hooked, and they would get. Them a little bit Extra Right when it comes right. To everything. Yeah. yeah here's the Training scene you can tell that This movie is post 36 chamber Shaolin because it has The training Scene
3: right Right
0: and This one's cool yeah.
3: Easy and At least it's At least they you know like we were you know we're talking, at least they, you know, they go through a training scene, you know, where, like you said, at least it could progress to that point from where, you know, they had three seconds of training in their masters to where, you know, bells of death, you know, to where they actually have them and show them and they're doing their training scenes. You know, that's something that used to always, you know, about the spaghetti Westerns, uh, killing prey with, uh, Lou Castile, you know, he's, he just picks up a gun, you know, that's on the ground, and he's one of the best, best shots ever. You know, it's just, you know, uh, Peter Lee Lawrence was good for that shit. You know, he would, you know, he would play the kid in them all, and then, you know, he couldn't shoot straight. And all of a sudden, you know, five minutes later, you know, I'm going to, I need to be trained. I want somebody to train me, blah, blah, blah. And, then, you know, three minutes later, he's the best shot, in the, you know, in the West, so. Yeah. But I, I respect any of these films that did at least give you, you know, a little bit of training in them. I think it helps the whole the whole film out, you know.
0: And and this movie shows another reason why the Venoms were so popular. They could act their ass off. I mean, right. Just look at how right. he's acting there when he's trying to sell that he has fake legs, when he really just has his own legs.
3: Right, right. And and it's all contained, you know, it's, and I think like any of these, you know, they would eventually get into the, you know, since all these, you know, these films were period films, you know, they kind of knew, you know, it wasn't like they were taking their acting skills like, you know, this dude, he appeared in this, this dude appeared in that. Yeah, you know, they would, in and out, but there was so many period films going on by the Shaw brothers, you know, with that assembly line that that they just became accustomed to these. Well, they were Day I mean,
0: was the one who did the modern films, uh, let's see. Chinatown Kid.
3: Right, uh, right.
0: Jewel of the Iron Fist.
3: But the bread and butter were these. Yeah. You know, because just because they were so profitable. And they knew that, yeah. you, you know, wherever they were sending the foreign markets, you know, were hungry for these karate films or kung fu films.
0: And especially the Venoms, once the... Uh, People realized that it was the same five guys and they could all work together beautifully. People wanted more with them.
3: Right, right.
0: But then David Chang was the first one to leave them because he was getting better offers. I want to say either this. This may be... No, it was House of Traps, the one after this, that was uh, the last official Venoms film with all five of the squad on it.
3: Right. I believe you're right. I think it got to the point where, you know, they were... You know, I I think if you look at them as, as a team, you know, they are they're efficient as a team because you can see that each one of them kind of possesses just like, and I think the five deadly Venoms you know, showed that to great effect where it showed that each one of them had a particular you know, skill Way, well, you know, these I think the the thing with these guys was, was you know, they each had a particular skill that they could do well whether it be legs, you know or yeah. whatever, acrobatic or I think that you know, when you put five dudes in there, you know, it's uh, it's just a matter of time, let's face it. You know, I mean, there's just not a lot of situations for five dudes every time unless you're splitting them into, you know, adversaries and, you know, whatever. You know, heroes and yeah. their adversaries. So I, I think to a point it was limited, I mean, you know, where they were going to go with them anyways. So how does it feel to have 400 shows under your belt? We never really did talk much about it. So when was your first show? Do you remember? Stephen? Might have lost him. I'm sure it's just momentary, folks. He's probably just uh, got disconnected. He'll be back on yeah, here in a minute. I'm, here. I'm back. Okay. But, nice. yeah, you know, the right.
0: Venoms was not the last of the squads like this. The last of the squads that did movies together like this was uh, the Five Fortunes.
3: hmm
0: Do you know who they were?
3: See, you're talking about the Golden Harvest? Is that what you're talking about? Well, just the
0: five little fortunes. That's what they call. That's what they were named.
3: Just Jackie Chan's and so on? Yeah,
0: Jackie Chan's, Sammo Hung, Ewan bio
3: Chinese Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I was asking you, I I think we just briefed over real quick. I mean, this is a big show for you. This is number 400. That's pretty freaking amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, How
3: long have you been doing this, Stephen? About five years. When was your first show? uh, Do you remember that? Mm,
0: I remember that. I'm glad it's lost. (laughs) 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 And it was on martial arts, too.
3: Was it awesome, hey, so yeah. how many if people wanted to go listen to your old archives, how many could they probably listen to?
0: Uh, about mean, are there two more? right now four hundred about four hundred are uh, wow, about three hundred and eighty four are up fifteen wow. were like little bits I recorded and stuff like
3: that wow But, yeah, wow, that is amazing,
0: yeah. And what's funny is the biggest, like we talked about earlier, Big Trouble in Little China was the only film you see most of the Venom Squad work together in the United States. And that's because John Carpenter watched these movies on the deuce, like, you know, watched these movies like we did. And it came out too early. There we
1: go. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you really imagine
0: you. the impact of Big Trouble in Little China if it would have come out in ninety one, ninety two after the John Woo films hit and we started getting?
3: Uh, when did Little Big Trouble in Little China come out? Eighty one, two, eighty
0: three. Yeah, eighty two, eighty three.
3: Even even if it would have been, when did, like, the Terminator and all that other stuff start coming out? And, that was um, about 88. Some, yeah, I, you're right then. So if, if that would have came out kind of after those, when all that momentum was built then with that, you know, the Steven Seagal's whenever he appeared and Sylvester and Arnold, I might be wrong on the um, Steven Seagal. I don't really know his career, but... We'll kind yeah. of win those but macho type of... But
0: what I'm talking about is when uh, Hard Boiled and The Killer come out and then we started to get a crap load of the Wooshah films
3: mm-hmm.
0: from uh, Tai Sing Video.
3: Right. And it's, um, you know, he kind of... The Kurt Russell character and they're kind of Predated a lot of that if you, you know what I'm saying He had that kind of Spaghetti western mentality About him You know with the quips yeah. And and the stuff like that And it you know And uh, I, I think it was A lot of it was taken from him You know because
1: so, As
3: you've seen Some of, of these course. other characters Come along You know the, the Arnold characters And you know yeah. With the quips afterwards And you know And uh, yeah. I, I think it's it, it's, just you
0: know, Kurt Russell's character In the context right now Is that the mentally deficient guy. That was right. Russell's role in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. It's just that we followed him <laughs> and not the real hero of the movie. That's the right. joke most people didn't get back then. He wasn't right. a hero. hmm. I mean, really... The guy who's mainly fish, he came in this movie as just a pure badass, didn't he? Right. Mm -hmm. I expected him to start whooping ass and training him, but nope. (laughs) Even as early as the 80s, the Shaw Brothers, well, Chang-K realized that you need to subvert the tropes or else the
3: genre is going to get stale. It was, yeah, it was. And, and they tried, I think, was they tried to introduce more and more kind of the fantasy elements. And, you know, they did start doing that. And they tried to, you know, do some horror films, which, of course, horror films were big in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, but, it, you know, they just, you know, they got hit. Hong Kong and stuff got hit like Japan did in the late 60s with television, which really hurt them. You know, and then just the staleness and the repetition, like you had talked about, it was just, you know, they kind of, and, and the Hong Kong films died there for a little while, you know, before they would, yeah. you know, pop back up again, especially the Kung Fu yeah. films. People were moving away from that, you know, and, yeah. and people were probably, you know, renting on video and, and stuff like that, but, yeah. you know, they just got stale and they didn't expand, you know, they they got into such, you know, with these period costume type films. You know, that made them money. They they could knock them out in two or three weeks, move on to the next one. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of money spent on, you know, so they were probably returning capital on them until eventually yeah. people just got, okay, I've seen this a thousand times. I'm done, you know. So, well, that's and, and you know, one even of, uh,
0: major One of the major plot points in Painted Faces, the Jackie Chan uh, semi biographical movie about his training. Is that he came in 1968 and his generation wasn't as devoted to the Peking Opera School as the ones before them. They were listening to uh, the Beatles and stuff, playing rock and roll, you know.
3: Right, right.
0: That's re- another reason why Chang Chai really hit for the Shaws, is that. He did Kung Fu film for the young
3: generation. Yeah, and he had two, and he had young characters that, or actors in, in Tai Long and um, um, David Chang who were, you know, no matter what you put them in, I mean, they were personable, they were handsome, they were athletic, you know, so no matter what, I mean, they picked two, he picked two guys, you know, his first two kind of, You know, that golden triangle, as they call it, between the three of them, where they just hit something perfect there for the time. You know, no matter what you were putting them guys in, David Chang and Todd, they were were, um, heartthrobs in in Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, and and this dealt with the cynicism of the 70s, too. Right. I can't think of any of the Venom's films that didn't have a cynical, bitter ending.
3: Right. And and Chang Che liked that too He put a lot of his films Had that kind of You, you know uh, The anonymous heroes and, and you know he liked that You know getting his heroes killed at the end Kind of like a Corbucci thing again
0: Yeah And of course We didn't get We didn't get them over here We didn't That was the only line. And uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, I almost jumped up and screamed, bullshit! (laughs) They had Al Pacino's character in 1969. Tell Brad Pitt's character. I keep stressing that year. In 1969, that Sergio Cabucci was the second best director of spaghetti westerns ever. Yeah, no one knew who Sergio Cabucci was until maybe the 90s. Yeah, yeah,
3: you know, I would, yeah, they knew of him, but it was legendary type of thing. You know what I'm saying? You just, I mean, who released Django over here first? That came out on VHS, right? And who was that? No,
0: it was uh, uh, released to theaters barely. And plus right, that, it barely like, that's the line that Tarantino used in Django Unchained.
3: Yeah, yeah, no I'm saying the Name the, is Django, but the D is silent. In that um on home video I was saying. Yeah. I, that was was that Blue Underground? or Anchor Bay maybe?
0: Yeah, Anchor Bay. I
3: can't. And, and you we know, we didn't have an
0: official big screen pre uh release of the great silence until two years ago
3: right right you know yeah no i mean in 69 man i'm telling you something you know anybody yeah you, know, you get on the internet now and look of course, all Leone films, all Corbucci films, they probably have nice, you know, on IMDb or anywhere else that rates. They probably got damn good ratings. But yeah. if you buy, if you go back and and you you know, like I did in the 80s, 90s, I would buy them big, giant, thick-ass movie review books because I was that big yeah. of a nerd. And who used to wrote, write them? Uh, Roger Ebert was one. And somebody was it was it Robert? Oh, Leonard Easton, Maltin, or big,
0: those big thick bullshit. Well,
3: there Maltin. you go, Leonard Maltin. There you go. And and you know they would just you know every Leone or Leone film was just you know lambasted. I mean, you you know it was
0: just.
3: Yeah, and it was marginal. It might have got you know if it had five stars, it might have got two and a half. But you know, the first one and the second film was just about you know, since stylized violence or whatever. You know, I don't think that the the Spaghetti's were ridiculed. They weren't. They were no. Uh, I don't know. I don't see. You know, I don't see it.
0: The <laughs> best in oh, what's I, I time I just, in Hollywood where uh, uh da, 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 da. Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Didn't want to do the spaghetti westerns because he knows that that means he's washed up over here. That really was more the tone
3: <laughs>
0: than, you know.
3: You know, I that's a tough one. You know, I mean, I think that once everybody realized that you know they weren't going to be over go over there and they weren't going to be the next Clint Eastwood, yeah, I think you know it was a payday. I don't think that, you know, after a while, these guys surely couldn't have believed that. You know what I'm saying? You know, all the Americans going over there trying to, whatever they were looking for. Some of them just looked at it as a vacation. Some of them thought, well, you know, maybe it'll just spring my career forward or, you know, or bring me back into favor or whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think. I think by '69, if the, you know, I don't think. They still had that illusion. I, I think you're probably right there. Maybe in '64, '65, '66, they might have thought, well, you know, you know, like um, Burt Reynolds thinking he was going to go over there and hook up with the legendary Sergio Leone, you know. So, and, and let's face it, if you didn't have Sergio Leone's name behind something, yeah, you're probably you were going to struggle.
0: Well, just think. uh, Uh, That era, that's when uh, Once Upon a Time in the West and Duck You Sucker came out. So even Mm -hmm. Leone's name had lost a lot of luster.
3: Correct, correct. I I think that Once Upon a Time when it was released, you know, obviously in the way they cut the living shit out of it, you know, and and I think that, you know, he went over budget and blah, 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 and, you know, I just think he was, you know... It just wasn't going You know It was You're right It was I don't think In 69 Anybody was that Highly thought of As you know Over there Regardless yes. of who They are And I don't think Anybody well, was sitting In the the
0: same as uh, The Hong Kong directors When they bought The Shaw Brothers films Mm-hmm You never knew Who Chang Chae was I right. remember them Having all sorts of Goofy freaking names
3: Yeah Yes, I agree. No, I agree. That's that's a really valid point. I mean, you know, I was a kid in 69, so I'm probably not going to know, but I mean, critically, they were dissed and dismissed, and, and, and you know, yeah, you went over there to try to, you know, revive a career, you know, start a career, or get a career, you know, or you know, move your career into another avenue, but 69, I mean, that was the glut year. That was kind of, everything was glutted then and after that, or 68 was the glut year. First part of 69, and then 69, it started to drop, you know. So 69's a little late in all that, you know. Yeah, in
0: 1970 was really when the Italians started doing Polizias, once Dirty Harry hit.
3: Correct, correct, yes. I love yeah. this, and it's you know they sword and sandal films, you know the um, the westerns, you know then the police films and then the uh, the horror films for a while they just and then they would then it was just you know aping different things like the Terminator or Mad Max or You know, so they rode whatever they could long enough, but eventually, you know, it just dried up over there.
0: And what's funny is the films that they were ripping off were the films that was ripping them off because their gen in the 80s were the ones who grew up with them.
3: Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean...
0: Have there really been a let-up on any kind of action in this movie? I love it, the little bow and arrow and stuff. <laughs> I have no, seen there's... action films where they don't give you time to breathe, where it doesn't work.
3: And, and you know, it's another fun. thing, too, is there, honestly, have you ever seen a badly shot scene in any other films? I mean, any Shaw Brothers films, maybe a little in the beginning, I think... Um, the follow-up, the return of One-Armed Swordsman might have been a little clustery at the end. But honestly, even with their, their fight scenes, there's just, you don't see that. I mean, they're just beautifully shot, and, and and, and you know, these are craftsmen, you know, well, the cameramen, the by cinematography. They've been
0: filming on these same sets for
3: True, years. yeah, true, yeah. So yeah, they knew true. where
0: to put the camera for a shot. They knew how the shadows true. were gonna fall. You know, true. it was like yeah. they could do it in yeah. their sleep. Yeah, and it,
3: like I said, it was that assembly line shit, and it worked great for. You know, you know they probably started hitting the assembly line in the early 70s and just you know ran it till it died out in the early 80s.
0: You know, yeah.
3: so. Well,
0: it was the early 80s when they started doing the horror stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, hex, hex after hex. Uh, yeah.
0: Hex after hex. The Boxers' Omen. Uh, the rape
3: after wasn't it the rape yeah. after or something like? Rape Sex Beyond the rape the grave.
0: Black Magic films.
3: Yeah. The, the, now the Black Magic films were '75 and '76, I think. But yeah, I mean, and and they, I mean, the Shaw Brothers, you know, they, you know, they put out some, you know, like the Bamboo House of Dolls. You know, they put out some pretty you know, raunchy-ish shit, too, through the, you know. And and a lot of their horror films, Bewitched and stuff, I mean, they got pretty raunchy there.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, Shaw was hurt by their lack of not having the top two kung fu stars in uh, Hong Kong at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And that would be Sonny Chiba. And Bruce Lee.
3: Right. Yeah. But but uh, I he think really you know they can't say
0: how losing those who are really broke big in America was well, mm-hmm. Bruce Lee. Right. I think yeah, y'all could have coasted ten years easy if they'd gotten Bruce Lee under a contract.
3: And that's, that's, but the thing with that is if he would have signed that contract, would Warners have even picked that film up? You know, the, or, you know what I'm saying? Would Pick not up Warners. Buddy, but no, yeah. not, not, no, I mean, would, would well, it was um, Five Fingers of Death, which started the whole ball rolling. But if Bruce Lee was with Shaw, would it have, you know what I'm saying? Would it have, I, I don't know. Would he have had that much of an impact? Would he have, you know, he wasn't going to get a lot of the creative, you know, input and stuff like that. He wanted to, you know, when he was making the films,
1: mm-hmm. you know, with
3: Golden Harvest. So, I, I don't know. I, you know, that's one of them great questions, but I don't know, you know. I, I, I just think that Run Run Shaw was so... You know, demanding—not demanding, demanding, but you know—he expected things done a certain way, and he wanted to have all power. So I don't know if Bruce Lee would have honestly been able to work along with him. No. He
0: remember all of Shaw's big stars have really talked about how that why they left Shaw because they knew if they stayed they wouldn't have made no stinking money.
3: Right, yes. Yeah.
0: But the thing is, once Shaw got you there, and if you left Shaw after you signed the contract, you wouldn't have shit. Right. Shaw owned your money. Shaw owned your car. They owned your house.
3: Yeah. And and Shaw, I mean, until... You know, Golden Harvest came in and, you know, with Bruce Lee and, and they kind of started making inroads into the Hong Kong, you know, and, and China and throughout the world, honestly. But, you know, Shaw owned their own theaters. They printed their own promotional material. So, you know, they housed their actors and house in house in barracks there or dormitories, you know. And yeah. so, I mean, they had complete freaking utter control over and and it took a lot, you know, for Golden Harvest and, and other, you know, companies to even make an inroad into that because Shaw, you know owned and operated and controlled so much. But what we had talked about before is the problem with the Shaw brothers is yeah, they would do try to do some contemporary films but a lot of their stuff was this you know, was a period with period films. And that really eventually hurt him.
0: Yeah, the best director... Well, chang Shea was the one who directed most of their modern films. Mm -hmm. And once he left... Right. Shaw was definitely into throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks. And pretty much nothing did, because everything was moving too fast.
3: Right. Yeah, so they just they as soon as just, they, Bruce
0: Lee died, and that was about seventy five ish, I think. Jackie Chan moved in, and basically the whole game changed after Bruce Lee died.
3: Right, right. Yeah, it's you know it's you know it's always one of them th- what if type of things you, you know it's you just wonder what would have happened you know what i'm saying it's just yeah you know it's just always that what if thing you know what i'm saying yeah. you just i mean you know i was reading something that um i think it was Peter Martell who was an Italian actor got mm-hmm. into a fight with his girlfriend i think it was before he was to start filming on God Forgives I Don't which is the um, Terrence Hill film which team was was the first teaming of him with um, Bud Spencer I think it's that film I don't think it was Trinity but but, no, but you know right. just, it was
0: that was the first time they were in a film
3: together and, and they it just makes you you know you wonder you, you know it's what if you know what if Richard Harrison who was supposedly going to play um the, the Clint Eastwood character and a fistful of dollars. What would have happened? What if Mark Damon, who said he was also offered the part or was considered for the part, you know? It's just what if, what if type of thing, you know? Well, you I mean, remember so. who did
0: Leone want for the part and a uh, fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more?
3: I know he wanted a bunch of people. I know he wanted James Colburn. I know he wanted Charles Bronson. I know...
0: Yeah, Bronson.
3: I, I think Bronson... Bronson
0: for the Clint Eastwood role.
3: Yeah, I think... if I, I might have these mixed up here a little bit, but I think Charles Bronson said that when he read the script for A Fistful of Dollars, that it was the worst one he had ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Which gives credence to the fact that when... Clint Eastwood, who always made the claim that, you know, he, when he went in there, he cut a lot of the, the um, dialogue out, you know, because he said they don't, you know, you don't need to be, ta- you know, you, you do more by not talk, you know, doing less, but, um, so, but, you know, it's, I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know what would happen if Bruce Lee would have died, I I don't know, that's, that is such a, Fascinating I don't question.
0: Know how I'm just talking about fact after Bruce Lee's death everything mm-hmm. changed quickly and that's when guys like well Bruce Bruce Lie Lee Lie Lee Low Lay Dragon, right, right,
3: right. Yes. Yeah, you're right, absolutely.
0: And the one after all the dust settled was Jackie Chan was the one that rose to the top because he did the goofy stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's Drunken more like master. what can you do to make your product stand out and make people go, oh, God, I haven't seen that before.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you notice when yeah, you and look at the top five shows, they're all definitely fit into the category of, oh, I haven't seen that before. Right,
3: right. You know, that... I think that, you know, the Jackie Chan, you know, the drunken master or whatever, and as he continued Mm -hmm. to go on, you you know, it's, the genre had to do something, you you know what I'm saying, because it was dead, I mean, you just could not do, I mean, what was there left to do, you you know, it's just like when people talk, we talk about spaghetti westerns, because quite honestly, uh, there's so much similarities between the spaghetti westerns and the Kung Fu films and the Shaw Brother films, but, you know, a genre's only got so much life, you know, I mean, until you beat it into the ground, you know, whether it be the Italian Westerns, whether it be the Shaw Brother films or Hong Kong films from the 70s in general, there's just so much you can do and just people are only going to watch them for so long and eventually they're going to say, you know, it's time to move on.
0: Yeah, well, you know, don't forget. So. Well, there's an article that came out in '69, nine, uh-huh. and it basically said Leone and Peckinpah and has single-handedly killed the American Western.
3: <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
0: Just like, imagine how shorter the time would have been making period kung fu films if the Shaw Brothers didn't have the Venoms.
3: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, true. I mean, that was, to a point, I mean, they were still pumping them out, but this, you know, breathed, you know, some life back into it again. You know, when they were, you know, bam, 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 bam you know, you hit this, you get back up, what was this, 78, was this? Something around there, I believe, 79, may, or was this, I know the first one was 78, right? I can't remember, but you, you know, it's you, you know, you have those moments in films where it kind of revive things a little bit. I think this was probably '78, I think, but yeah. But and don't forget, you, you
0: know, you you. 80.
3: you, you please,
0: go no. Go yeah, ahead. but
3: you know, you have to. You know, there's films that breathe a little bit of um. Yeah, '78, but you know, you that breathe some life back into the genre for a while. You know that you know, that they'll run for a while, and then it'll, you know, but eventually, you know, the writing's on the wall.
1: Yeah.
3: And I think the Shaw, I think they kind of knew, I mean, this was, this hit, that hit, you know, and they continued on for a while, and they had some great films. Like I said, they tried to mix, you know, do some horror, they started mixing the Kung Fu, you know, with some um, fantasy elements and stuff like that, but yeah, I, uh, you know the writing was on the wall I mean if you can't you know when you're so ingrained into one genre like that, you know the kung fu that uh, you know eventually that's gonna run out of steam i mean it's always happened that way you know well, don't forget so. in nineteen
0: eighty two it was one of uh uh the Shaw brothers biggest American Hong Kong co-productions that basically everyone lost their ass on the movie.
3: Blade Runner, right?
0: Yeah, Blade Runner.
3: You know, I was reading something. I was doing writing something on, um, on some for this book I'm working on. I was just picking out some, you know, some people that uh, it's, it's a little thing in there. It's going to be called One Hit Wonders. It's about yeah. people that you know that only had one, you know, only appeared in one film, and. You remember the show Flipper, which yeah. Brian Kelly played Flip or um, Porter Ricks in that film, or in that television series, and he was one of the producers on that film, which, you know, I mean, it's kind of a coincidence as you brought that up, you know, and, of course, we lost Rutger Hauer a couple weeks back, who made the film in my book, but, you mm. know, it's, um, yeah, it's, that's what I've heard. A lot of people lost a lot on that one.
0: I love this too. How simple the re- way is that they're screwing with the guys. There's no overly elaborate bull crap like you would just see. And this right. is more like a dance than a fight.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, it's there's. You know, that's what I, I like about these films. You, you know, they were just, okay, let's just fucking do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's don't, uh, I'm not going to try to lay this, do that. I'm not going to try to, uh, just do it. You know, some of the sneakier ones, yeah, they'll go ahead and try to do some elaborate traps or get the, you know, this or that. But it's what I like about this film is it's just, you know, it's, they try to introduce a little bit of this and a little bit of that to help take these dudes down. But, you know, the whole thing is, is it's, you know, let's just fucking do this, you know what I'm saying? It's let's just let's just have it out. Yeah, it's like, oh he's
0: deaf, so what are we gonna do? Let's get a high pitched noise to fuck with his head so we can come in and sneak and atta- attack sneak <laughs> attacking But don't feel sorry for Shaw 'cause Shaw after Blade Runner, I think maybe a little bit later. Isn't that when they uh, got out of the filmmaking business and mm-hmm. basically lived on a, a TV show that showed everyone the freaking child brother movies that's already made?
3: <laughs> they, um, yeah, I think they. I think they still continue to do a movie here and there, but you know, I think they pretty much just turned into a TV production.
0: Well, they didn't have to produce. They re right. all their films, and that was about eight years. Wow. And uh, Run Run, right before he died, he sold off his film rights.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think he made about 5 to $10 million on the film rights.
3: Wow. Yeah, and I'm sure he wasn't hurting for money, you know. Yeah. I'm sure he made a lot of money because obviously through the years he's made a lot of money because he didn't pay people shit. and hmm. So, I mean, he, I'm, he was a pretty shrewd businessman, so you can bet that he was making plenty of money.
0: But, yeah, it's funny that when you see most lists online, what are the best Shaw Brothers films? The two that constantly are the top two are 36 Chambers, Shaolin, and this one.
3: Right, right. You you know, I, I love this film, and it's definitely in my top five. For years it was number one, but, you know, I still look for... The only thing that's lacking in this film in my book is just, you know... You don't have that emotional attachment that the shawls were good for, you know, pre, uh, you know, before, like when P.P. P. Ching was in Come Drink With Me, you, you know, or, you know, in The Vengeful Beauty or, or films like that where you could at least have a certain emotional attachment to the characters, you know, you do to a point for these guys, but, you know, that's the only thing lacking, but pure action I mean, yeah, you feel for these dudes and you want to see them beat these, you know, each obstacle that comes before them, but that that's the only thing in my book that it's it's lacking a little bit is is yeah.
0: the Venom squad was always portrayed as like superheroes in their movies. Mhm. Right, true.
1: That's a good or point.
0: Forget, oh, I almost forgot the other uh Co-production that Shaw Brothers and the Venom Squad did Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires A.K.A. The Seven Brothers Meet Dracula With Hammer
3: Peter Cushing, yeah Yeah Yeah, but I bought that damn Blu-ray and I have yet to watch it I know recently, I don't know who released that damn thing, but it recently came out on a Blu ray. I don't even know if there's any special features on the damn thing or not, but I did buy it.
0: Yeah, it both prints at least.
3: Yeah. It just, you know, that film is. It's a flaw. It's a good flawed attempt at something different. Yeah. It just, you know, it just didn't hit. You know, it's.
0: And it you, wasn't you know, until it's, vampires. Stuck their arms out and start bouncing around like it's got a poke They got pogo sticks up their asses. That they had any popularity over there.
3: <laughs> right, the hopping vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it did bring up something. But it did bring something into the vampire mythology. I love. Mhm. It was a scene about in the middle where Van Helsing is carrying a Buddha. And that the British girl looks at him and goes, "I thought crosses killed vampires. No, my dear girl, they don't believe in the Christian faith. Why would the cross affect them?" <laughs> Ow. <laughs>
3: oh yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's um. Yeah, I, I, like I said, it's. You know, and I, I think they were trying. You know, Hammer was struggling then. I, I know they had done one earlier, I think that same year, where they did a co-production with Stuart Whitman called Shatter, which is a marginally, yeah. you know, okay film. But you know, but um, you know, I think with that they were hoping for that crossover success. You know, both Hammer and um, the Shaw Brothers. You know. And, of course, they put David yeah, Chang. Every
0: he, big studio that we love, exploitation-wise, has the moment where they're throwing shit against the wall because time's passed them up.
3: Yeah, and, and two, and like, you, you know, if they could get people to help them, you know, where they could do... You know, the co-productions where they could help cut down on cost like this obviously did. And I know uh, there was some Italian films, you know, shot, you know, at Shaw Brothers Studios and stuff like that later into the years. And then, of course, you know, the Stranger in the or the Shanghai Joe films, which, but, you know, they, um, so they, I mean, they, they, they they would try to do that wherever they could. You know, it always surprises me when I'm looking through, you know, mainly because, you know, I look and research more on Italian Westerns. But, you know, I'll be looking at some of these films. And, you know, i seen one the other day where there was one that was co-produced between, I think, Italy, uh, Monaco and another place. And then one where Morocco, you know, it's just Israel, I believe, or Iran, I'm sorry, I believe Israel, Iran. So they were always looking for money. You know, to be put into these films To help kind of bring down the cost of them
0: Yeah
3: And share the cost,
0: you know The one that started the real last gasp of them Is odd, not because of the soundtrack Is that if you watch it You will not understand And I don't Why is that film out of all of them hit? And that's Kiyoma
3: I, I, I think it's you, you know it has a couple things. It's it's kind of a horror slash western. You, you have Frank uh, uh the, the director who was the hell director there was that Castellini Castellari? Yeah,
0: Enzo D. Castellari.
3: Castellari had you know he was a brilliant director. Um, I just think that and, and and you know they said that. Basi- I think George, the big ape Eastman, I don't know if he wrote the screenplay, but I think he might have wrote the original treatment or an ideal. But they said basically they wrote the script as, you know, so a lot of it was fresh. They did it as the, as the day progressed. Now, do I consider that? I, I consider it a, t- a top 20 Western, for sure. But I I understand its flaws. You know, it's yeah. it's. Well, but it, but it, it it. Go ahead.
0: For me, it's more that all the spaghetti westerns that came out right before Kioma flopped.
3: Well, Kioma was 76 I think Kioma was 70, came 76. Out after kioma Yeah, yeah, they they. Flopped. Well, I think. Yeah, I mean, Man Called Blade was good. I mean, I think it probably did okay um it has its its deficiencies i mean great um who is the lead in that Merrill? I believe wasn't it him Oh,
0: or yeah, it till yeah and Merrill. and he was
3: yeah, he was very good in the part, obviously you know once but he came along later into the you know when I think the police films is when he hit obviously but i but but you know after that they just you know, Silver Saddle in my book is awful. It has a terrible, terrible, terrible soundtrack, a terrible theme song, and it, it's just, it's not good. It has a lot of sappiness, and you know, with the boy, and, you know, he was going to assassinate and it, the way they ride off at the end was vomit-inducing to my book, and it had been done much, much, much better in Night of the Serpent in 69, but... Um
1: yeah.
3: you know, it it was dead. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was dead. You know,
0: well, and, Murley, and you, <laughs> was a hit, but Murley Mauricio mm-hmm. died about two or three ages in about eight in the eighties of a heart attack.
3: Right, yeah, forty six maybe, forty nine I think. Forty nine
0: No, was about thirty, thirty five. He died very um
3: no, I think he was older than that. I think he was because he had been around since. I know he did some uncredited. I know he was in one early Western where he's uncredited, maybe sixty-seven, sixty-eight, somewhere around that line. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Carlo Gatti, who's you, you know was the guy played like Ted Corbin in um, a Re- Requiem for uh, for Gringo. Died at 41 from a heart attack. So I, you know, so I mean, it's you know how that works in the world. You just never know. Yeah. You know, when you hear of somebody dying from a heart attack in their 40s, or you kind of like, damn. So. And
0: plus, once Shaw died, the American companies really took over the kung fu films.
3: Mm. True. So that's
0: when you got the.
3: Chuck Norris movies. uh. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, to me, (laughs) what ended it all up for me was Jackie Chan. You know, and I respect what the dude did, and obviously must almost killed himself countless times doing these stunts. But when that came out, when, you know, when Chuck Norris came out in his movies, to me that was the, yeah, it was generic. Chuck Norris was generic in those movies. You know what I'm saying? And he, you know, well, he had, I had think a nice run. are
0: one, Silent Rage, and that's the only uh, Kung Fu slasher, American slasher film. Right.
1: Of course, Lone right. Wolf
0: McQuaid. He was yeah, that's in that a, one because that that's was a more good one. I agree
3: with that one. That was. Yeah. But he McQuaid had a. I mean, he had a.
0: Barbones action movie.
3: Yeah, and it and it had a lot of kind of a western feel and touch to it, you know. And that was written. Who was that directed by Steve? I won't remember it, but and he did a damn good job on that. I cannot remember the dude's name, but yeah, top quality for sure. I mean, and of course, I was like anybody else in them days, you know, when I went it rented or whatever. Yeah, I would. You know, if it was an action film, I was interested in it to a point. You know, but to me, that kind of marked the end of at least. Yeah, he. You know, I'm sure it was popular and people were popular and stuff like that. But that's kind of when I lost. You know what I'm saying? My uh, yeah. affection for karate, kung fu films, or whatever, it was probably after you know, 80 well. onwards.
0: <coughs> well. That's usually the line you see. They're either Shawbuther fans or they're like uh, Chuck Norris pre post-80 fans.
3: Right, right. Now, that, now I agree with you 100% there. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if that's what you dig, Uh-oh. that's what you dig. You, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to act like I'm high and snooty about it. just, uh, to me, certain films like it just, they needed to stay, you, you know what I'm saying? They they needed to, to me, Chuck Norris was, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, he was obviously a great, what was he, karate? Yeah, karate, right? I mean, he was yeah. a great karate, whatever. I guess he was a master, black belt, whatever, oh, so many times he over. He was
0: one of the teachers at uh, Bruce Lee's dojo.
3: Yeah. So I mean and and there's no disrespect for the guy. I'm just to me it I was so ingrained with watching these films and you know the Shaw brothers, you know the the mainland China films that to me it was it just never felt right. And you know that's coming from a guy who likes spaghetti westerns after growing up watching American westerns but I just never could get into that. It's you know it's it's just a personal preference there but just it was never me.
1: Well, and well, and you see rock like i was saying rock.
3: you embrace a lot more where i'm kind of sticking the mud about some shit you know yeah, and that's yeah. what and that's what i respect about you we talk about this you know and I, i'm not going to even you know that you why you've made 400 shows is because you know you're shit okay I mean well, look I, at you look at your know, you, rock
0: you, rock stuff
3: if you right. just look
0: at her U.S. stuff like China O'Brien and stuff like that, you're like, mm-hmm. why is this woman getting to be yeah. a lead yeah. in a kung fu film?
1: She's not good.
3: Fact.
0: And then you get a hold of her Hong Kong stuff.
3: Yeah. Now they, you're right. Right. And and let's face it. I mean, they knew action. And, and, you know, how to set up fight scenes, action scenes like nobody's business.
1: Yeah. So
3: they weren't setting them up. Yeah, Bruce Lee would have eventually probably did it and brought it here, and it would have been amazing. But we, they just, you know, they never mastered it all. Even now, look at the Asian films now. Look at got a film like uh, Kung Fu Killer from a couple years ago. I mean, just... <laughs> You know, and I know a lot of it's probably CGI to a point, but still, they, I, mean, I mean, come on. You know, them dudes are just a freaking amazing, you know. It, it's just something yeah, to a die, different yeah. level. You know, it's There's just...
0: Some good modern stuff like uh, My Beloved, The Raid series. Uh,
1: mm, right. The Night
0: Comes For Us. I mean, yeah, they are good modern ones.
1: Right, If you look at
0: the good modern ones, they just take what the old ones did and take it to 11.
3: Fact, fact. You're right. They just turned the volume up. You're right. Good point. And you got your spinal tap, (laughs) (laughs) you got your your spinal tap quote in, or your uh, reference, sorry, not quote, reference. (laughs) And just
0: like this one, it has great action all through the movie, and now we're at the climax, and they're taking it to, you know...
3: Yeah, right to another level altogether. You're right, absolutely. And and you know, to the, I mean, and, and you know, you got to figure these dudes are doing this shit. They're probably doing the majority of their own stunts. I'm sure they've got stuntmen for certain scenes, but you know, they're doing this shit like, you know, it's and they're doing this shit for three months, and then they're doing it again the next time, and the, and they're well trained, and they've trained their bodies to you know to be. And in the way they choreograph these movies are just—I mean, it's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah. But well, yeah, you're right. They were stuntmen. That's how uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Samo, and those guys got their in. They were stunt people.
3: Right, right. And and you know, like even. Like Spaghetti Westerns, you know, the lead actors and stuff were expected to do certain stunts, and just like the Shaw Brothers were, they were expected to do certain stunts, you know, where it wasn't anything really put on the line, but if anything else, they would bring in the stunt doubles. I mean, I'm not going to say all this, but I would say quite a bit. You know, anything kind of, you know... I'm sure these fighting scenes, not, but, you know, anything that, you know, where they needed, you know, where it was a little bit more of a risk, obviously, because they didn't want their lead actors getting hurt.
0: Yeah. Like the first, I think the first really big, well-known stunt of Jackie Chan's on the film is from uh, The Chinese Connection, a.k.a. Fist of Fury, where Mm -hmm. uh, Bruce Lee kicks the, Japanese guy Threw the screen And he lands Flat on his back mm. But yeah I mean You can really This is one of the few films I've seen You can really see The Peking opera Right in it.
3: And the Yeah And like I said These dudes were you, you know, they were efficient, they were trained, you know, they knew their steps, I mean, perfect. I mean, they trained. I mean, they didn't just show up and sit in a chair and, then okay, you know, take, you know what I mean, go on out there and do their thing. I mean, they this was, you know, I'm sure that any of these dudes could, you know, I mean, they were, they had the ability, you know, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they were well, either martial artists or... Dancers. Trained to be.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite stories is uh, Patrick Swayze he was ta- he took ballet going to school. Mm-hmm. And these guys got in front of him and was talking like, "Hey, you're a wuss. You do cut. You do dance." And Patrick Swayze did up and did a spin about two inches from the guy's face with his foot. Mm-hmm. And the guy did not mess with it <laughs> that
3: <just> bad. <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of his, but, you know, I've seen that uh, they're making a documentary of him. Yeah. Now, that might be interesting. Like I said, I am not a fan of his, but, I mean, you know, the di- good dude w- died way too young, and which is a shame. Yeah. But,
0: but it's just the so. sheer point is people forget that martial arts came from dance.
3: Right, true, but no. very excellent point, you're right, you're right.
0: It's like most of the weapons you see in martial arts are farming tools and stuff like that, because only the elite was allowed samurai swords.
3: Right, right, right. So
0: the pole folks had to do good with like uh, the scythes, used to cut down the wheat, uh, bamboo knives. Mm-hmm. Had to deal with what they had
3: Right Yeah and it was Yeah you had to earn that You know to be a, a samurai You're right
0: uh, Gordon Liu's brother Lao uh Once said that uh, He'd go to Run Run's office and he would give him The four sets that he's Going to let him use in that in the movie that he was going to make. He says, "Okay, mm-hmm. take those four sets and write a movie around it." <laughs>
3: uh, that's that's a fact. And this is one of the sets here, and one of the sets was the the um the saloon.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, with the kung fu and the spaghetti, you got sort of a raw or Attitudes like before that you'd have the odors and stuff, and he would come drink from me, the mm-hmm. heroes would be saintly
3: right, right, correct, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and and that's a lot of that you know as much as people hate to admit it that the you know the Italian westerns and that anti hero you know was a big influence. I mean, you know, we went from a, a godly like John Wayne, Audie Murphy, you know, to where, you know, the anti heroes were that, you know, yeah. they weren't always the best of people, you know, and yeah. I think, you know, but, you know, like in these films, you know, the same thing again, you know, they, they, yeah. they were kind of edgy to a point that the, you know, the hero was a little bit edgy on them. They weren't that atypical you, you hero. You
0: went from uh, the paraphrase you. You went from the John Wayne and the and the Goody Goody to Toshiro Mifune and Yojimbo and Sanjiro.
3: Right, right. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, and I am not dissing John Wayne. I am a huge John Wayne fan, but Hold you know, if you look too. at the film yeah, if you look at a film like, to me, his best film is The Searchers. And and when he plays a bastard in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I
0: fought with my dad over The Searchers. Yeah. I'm like, man, John Wayne plays a no-good, dirty, racist son of a bitch in The he Searchers.
3: He does.
1: And
0: he my dad's does. like, no, it's John Wayne. He never played the bad guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're right. Yes. I love that film. And it's yeah once you
0: know, we only hit over here, and the wild bunch, mhm, the immoral hero really took hold,
3: yeah, yeah, well, it was the sixties, you know it was the perfect, and it was a ripe right time for it. you know they were leaving that fifties mentality behind and then moving into a you know into the sixties, and especially the later as the sixties went along.
0: Yeah, I think Sam Fuller put it the best He said, you go to the movie And the guy's a no good dirty Son of a bitch But he's our No good dirty son of a bitch
3: (laughs) Right Right (laughs) That's classic For sure (laughs) But you know, I mean (laughs) You know, it's To me, there's so much to be, you know, these Shaw Brother films. I mean, I'm infatuated with them. I'm obsessed with them, you know. Yeah. But, you know, to me, there's, I can't really tell you a lot of bad ones. You know, and I've seen a lot of them. Some of them might be a little, you know, marginal, average okay. at best. But, 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 you know, you don't see a lot of shitty, shitty, shitty Shaw Brother films. Which is pretty amazing, considering how many they pumped out.
0: Well, they had uh, some of the best directors, best cameramen, best... Crew, correct,
3: yeah. I could talk all night,
0: like, best cameramen, best scripts, you know.
3: Right. And once
0: you got to learn every inch of the set, damn. But, yeah, I mean, really, even this film... The Venom films always were, had that amoral bent to it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, these
0: guys, they're not fighting for the people. They're not fighting to release the, you know, to take down the tyranny of evil men. No, these guys fucked them up, and they want payback.
3: Well, and, you know, the first one, I mean, basically they were... All of them were had some, you know. Besides the last one, who was just doing it for the master, you know, they all had that kind of, you know, amoralness about them, immoralness, So, I well, mean, I they, don't know they were who's
0: definitely the part of uh, Bruce Lee's real life story, if you remember. Mm-hmm. The whole thing where. Uh, He got in trouble for trying to teach the martial arts to non-Asians.
3: Right, correct, yeah. Yeah, he had a big following, remember, like James Colburn and people like that, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many of the Shaw Brothers films have you seen that that does have that as a plot device, Mm -hmm. you know? The secret right. book, the major point, you know. <laughs>
3: yep, yep. I'm going to read this textbook, and I'm going to become a kung fu master.
0: Yeah, that's one of the funnier, funnier gags than <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle is the first kung fu comedy film, where you had to know Shaw Brothers films for any of the damn jokes to work. <laughs> <laughs> And I love it, Badass fights all the way. No let-up, just 95 minutes of just pure ass-whipping.
3: Yeah, it's pure pure exploitation, just absolute pure divine, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just balls to the wall. It's just, you know, bam, 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 we're not, you know, we'll give you a break here, break there, but we're bringing it back on you again. And, and you well, know, it, to me, it would almost think, you know, how could they continue to do this? You know, from film after film after film, and that's that's another amazing thing is that they could just continue to do these film after film after film. You know, I yeah, mean, and like they made there a lot was of kung Only fu. like
0: five or six Venom films.
3: Right. Correct. Yeah. But I'm just saying, as, as Shaw Brothers and their kung fu. Especially at that time frame in general, you know
0: Yeah Well, it's like every time you have your pulse on the nerve of what people want sooner or later You're either going to lose that pulse or people are going to get bored of what you're shipping out And want you to do something new
3: That's correct, you're right, you're right yeah, and that, that's sadly kind of what happens.
0: Movies that directors put out, like uh, Martin Scorsese and The Irishman coming up, I call them greatest hits movies. Mhm. Hey, you like me doing that mafia film? So here's another one.
3: Right, right. Yeah, and it's um, you you know it's like I said you you know we talked about you you know you have to be able to change. You know, you have to be able to change, you know, especially in entertainment, you, you know, it constantly changes. You have to be able to change your game eventually. You know, the, the, the you, you know, the uh, dude of, you know, staying and playing the same character, essentially the same character or the same films over and over, it's just, it's not going to work, especially as we were, you know, globally, we were, you know, growing in the 70s and 80s, you know, expanding with home video and, and all the other avenues, television and stuff like that, you just, you know, you had to expand your, you know, and you had to beat the, you know, whatever the the next, you know, genre or whatever was coming your way, you had to be able to, you know, kind of beat that curve a little bit, but, or at least embrace it before it started, you know, but, you know, it's, and, and, you know, they, Hong Kong by then, you know, like I said, a lot of, the Shaw Brothers films presented, you know, a, chi- a China, a fictionalized China, because obviously because China was divided by then, you know. And, yeah. and it And it brought a lot of that, and it, and it kind of glorified it for years, but then all of a sudden, you know, as more younger people in Hong Kong were born in Hong Kong, raised in Hong Kong, you know, they wanted stuff that was more pertaining towards Hong Kong, as you know, as the older people were still looking at, at that fictionalized, uh, you know, China that had probably never existed, anyways. But you know, the yeah. shawls was giving that at least initially and then tried to, and then continued, you know, with morally correct characters, you know, and eventually yeah. they, you know, but it, it, they just, you know, it needed to be more geared towards you know the the people of Hong Kong too, was obviously you know the youth of of Hong Kong but it, you know it's they also had a global market they had to you know they had to kind of think of also so
0: yeah
3: you know so i just well, think
0: don't forget that's was, why bruce lee hit so big in hong kong is that he said i am kong, i am hong kong i am chinese
3: right correct Fuck Japanese
0: if you fuck with me. That whole anti-Japanese... Like, I've seen a lot of people talk about it, and the most important moment in any of his films is in Fist of Fury, when he's at that park. And he kicks it and destroys it. The sign that says only... He said, it says, dogs and Chinamen not allowed in here.
3: Mm. Right.
0: Or that right. whole big sign, Sick Man of Asia.
3: Right. Right. And, you know, they would, you know, how many Japanese films would you see? You know, would you see where, you know, uh, there was bad, you know, the Chinese would come in and, and try to either bring drugs in? <laughs> You know, they were, uh, isn't that, uh, it's been a while since I've seen the Street Fighter films, but I think at least one of them has that, where the drugs are coming, or maybe both of them are either drugs. Yeah, it
0: or, was the third one. That's where they yeah. had the synthetic cocaine and that uh, Terry Sarugi was looking for the two cassettes that if you play them in sync, you would get the recipe for it. <laughs> That was more during the time when they got the laser shooting Mexicans in. <laughs>
3: yeah, but they, they, but they were trying to. You know, it was always that friction between those two companies, countries, obviously because of, you know, World War II, you know, all, all the other, you know, invasions and I think the Japanese Sino wars and, you know, it ended up in hostility between them countries forever. I would, you know. But yeah. you know, and um yeah, or the or the Japanese guy would come and then, you know the the samurai guy would come you know and and they would have to defeat it you know because he was you know morally bankrupting you know China.
0: And what kills me is most of the guys they hired to be samurai couldn't use a sword to save their <laughs> fucking life. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. <laughs> they just swung down just using the old term uh special effects. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this in the run, the five films that we picked as most popular are the ones that really are the most unique ones. I mean, Come Drink With Me, uh uh, King Boxer, Five Fingers of Death.
3: Right. One-armed swordsman.
0: One-armed swordsman. Uh, Venoms. I mean, it really shows that if they wanted to, they could change. I mean, they should have let uh, Shane Shane off his leash more.
3: I agree. I agree. I, I, you, you know, and every once in a while, you know, you Formula, 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 formula. But then you'll then you'll stumble onto some of these, like this film, you know, where it's still formula to a point, but it's it's over the top formula. Uh, a film like Killer Snakes, which is just, you know, if people haven't seen it, is just an amazingly, whew, how do you even describe that film? It is a gut wrenching depravity, you know. It's <laughs> but when they would let these, when they would go outside of the box a little bit, they could produce these films that were just absolutely amazing, you know. But
0: and the Boxer's Omen, which is the only movie I've right. ever seen where, if you're bored with it, just wait five minutes, you'll watch another entirely different movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, and when they and, uh, honestly, I mean. I've seen a lot of their horror films. I love their horror films, you know, because, you know, they would, a lot of the horror films, they would do contemporary, they were contemporary settings, but, of course, they were using Asian folk, folklore, Asian tales, which, yeah. to me, is a wonderful mix. You know, the green, uh, not green slime, oh, uh, shit up. Uh, I can't remember which what what the hell, you know, but Black Magic 1 Yeah, Black Magic 2. Um yeah. y- you know, some of the other ones where they used the contemporary settings, you know, and uh, hex um come well, no, come Haunt with me was a um, but but you know where they could return to the dead, the ghost stories and, and just films yeah. that where they could you know, where they used the contemporary cuz I am Absolutely love Asian, you know, um, folk tales, mythology. Yes. So, I mean, to me, that that was, you know, the best of both worlds there. Yeah. And they did a well, lot, and they were excellent. I
0: you're having uh, trouble writing about ghost story of Yatsuya. Mm-hmm. Every one of the ghosts has radiation burns on it. <laughs>
3: right right and, and, and you know the thing with one thing you notice okay china went to japan and they introduced their form of writing china took a lot of their folk tales and legends and they you know and they were t- to japan and vice versa and all that was shared within a lot of them asian countries so a lot of the folk tales are kind of repetitive, and you know. Like yeah. China comes oh, yeah. up with oh. this,
1: yeah.
3: you know, uh, Madame White and yeah. you know it, it was. But then, but then there was also stories by written by Yudo, was, um Tales of Moonlight, and I, I'm not going to get the rest of the title. But but you know they used a lot uh, Lafundo Hearn, so there was a lot of repetition within, you know, Asian wholesale, because they, yeah, they, yeah, they they shared that knowledge, you know, and it was kind of passed down and passed through, but it was used, you know, from different countries where it was introduced, you know, from and into the different Asian countries, so a lot of it was, you know, whereas it may have been written by this one, but it's used again in a, you know, in another context, in another you know, in China as opposed to Japan.
0: And special next month, we're we're pretty much not going to talk about martial arts films. Next month, we're going to do a show on spaghetti westerns. And Ooh. if his plans, like you said, at the first work out the way it does, we're going to have a small trivia contest. And if you get the question right, courtesy of Wildside Radio. You're going to get a copy of that book.
1: Wooey, <laughs>
3: Wow, that's awesome. I, like I said, I am. I'm. I've have everything lined up. I just, you know, I've never worked with. You know, I've got it a template set up. I've got it filled. I'm waiting for a few things. And I've got the account set up. Everything as long as. Feeding it into Kindle works correctly with, you know, and like I said, this is all new to me. So I, I see no problem why it won't, but that would be the only thing that would even possibly be a, you know, could cause any concern. Let's put it like that. So, And I,
0: in October, if you don't mind and want to, we can talk about Asian ghost stories. Movie.
3: Wouldn't that be awesome? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. hell yeah. As
0: you said, you know, making film towards the youth, the biggest hit to come out of the 70s that was really geared toward the youth was House of
1: mm-hmm. It's right. a great yeah. film,
0: but it was not made for the older generation.
3: It's it's a it's a one of a it's you have to say once th- it is a once in a lifetime
0: yeah. viewing
3: experience. And I mean, the you. The director
0: talks about that uh, that his daughter come around at the house to come out and he said all of her friends were talking about it. And said they finally made a movie for me. They made a movie uh, for us, the younger generation.
3: And, and there is such a great great backstory with all. Su and and the, you know, and Toho, you know, and the director coming in, you know, and it just, I mean, it's such a great story, you know, and Toho at that time was struggling financially, nobody wanted to mess with it, you know, they wrote it, and nobody wanted to freaking touch it, so, because everybody thought, if I direct this film, you know, that's the end of me, so a lot of them wouldn't touch it, but yeah, that's definitely something. Oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah,
0: Shin Toho.
3: Now, that was Toho. Shin Toho was 50s, went out in 61, I believe. They were the ones that did The Ghost of Yadzou in 59. and Yeah, I there.
0: know. I'm pissed off that Criterion's oh. never put it out. But oh. if you have an extra 20 or $30 laying around, which is how much it costs, and you like Asian ghost stories, and you haven't seen any of them. Get that set.
3: Which Even one we talking about? for
0: Goki Battle,
3: Goki. Oh, that. That's... Was that Criterion? That was Criterion.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, when yeah. World, it, it was... Uh, when Horror when Came to Shinaku.
3: Right, yes, yeah, and that was... Uh, is that Germicide or Insecticide or one of them? And
0: Yeah, Insecticide. Living Skeleton. Germicide, uh, Goki, Body Snatcher from Hell.
3: That's awesome. That's an awesome movie. Yeah. And and so is The Living Skeleton. It's a wonderful black and white kind of norish looking. It's a damn good film.
0: Yeah. And it's I, all I, in there. And... Thank you for everyone I mean 400 episodes Thank you for wow. everyone Who helped me out with it Like Mike Let's see Mike Carl uh, Miss Vicky Love And also Thank you to Everyone you guys Listen Mostly you guys Because without you I would have probably Gave up and just Go back to bed By now <laughs>
3: <laughs> 400 man That's that's amazing That's you really need That's congratulations There brother Amazing yeah. I couldn't stay with something for 400 for nothing to save my life, so that that's some determination there. Well, that's why there, I and...
0: give the show any subject. That's the dangerous part.
3: <laughs> but you know, you know your I'm shit. Not kidding. So... If you
0: give your show, like, oh, I'm going to do a horror podcast. What happens when you get bored of four and you got another episode to do?
3: Yeah, you know, for a long time, I... I... Didn't understand that because I was one of them people that thought you know I could but but you know what I understand after I understand what you're saying now let's just put it like that because you're right because eventually you know you're going to become bored with it to a point yeah uh, absolutely so
0: plus I don't know one movie fan who's a narrow fan
3: right 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 I
0: mean and. What?
3: Yeah, correct. Now, now, like you, like I said, you're broader, you know, you'll send me uh, uh, links to some of these films, and I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, you know, you there's no chance in hell flight. I'm ever going to be able to, to see this.
0: Yeah. It was just going to, but you... to go see Born to Flight. That one is just jaw-droppingly amazing. <laughs> But, yeah, thank you. And upcoming on this week, uh, next Sunday we're going to be doing the Drive-In Rama show where we talk about this September show. And they're showing nothing this year. Like they're showing nothing but Spanish horror films.
3: Ooh, that's awesome. Wow.
0: Yeah, they're going to have, uh, let's see, Count Dracula's uh, Great Love, mm. uh, the Dracula Saga by Leon Kaminsky, Frankenstein Ooh. bloody terror, Nosky's first film.
3: Wow. Uh,
0: Living dead at the Manchester morgue.
3: That's a great that's a great one there. Growl there wasn't it? Growl? Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. And and but,
3: that, oh, you today. know, and that just that, that's oh, awesome. It, that's awesome because yeah. you know what that just shows you you know when they start showing stuff like that it just shows you the depth You know what I'm saying? Uh, Their appreciation for you know, because anybody could run out the same old you know, same old, same old shit out there, you know. But that's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and Wednesday. Well, if you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and you love uh, Brad Pitt's character, well, I want to have one of the major inspirations for it. He says he isn't, but I say he's just being humble because he's one of the nicest guys you ever met. And we're gonna have the one and only Gary Kent back for a second mm. show.
3: Ooh, man, the forest. <laughs>
1: yeah, Satan's
3: <status>. He <laughs> He's awesome man. I love the the dudes. You know, he's one of the type of dudes you see him on screen, and you're like, damn, that dude is a fuck. That's awesome. You know he's got that face and that look and the mannerism. He's he's the man. I'm telling you. Yeah. And just what we were talking about the other day, just looking at you know picture he had posted on there, it's like this dude could fucking whip me and your asses with with one hand tied. So I mean he, even probably yeah. at his age, he's uh, he's still a badass. Uh, that's it. He's a badass. Yeah. And he worked with some great. Yeah. He worked with some. I wouldn't say he worked with some greats, but he also worked with Al Adamson.
0: Correct
3: Yeah <laughs> And this
0: mean, is Al Adamson's uh, Life and Death
3: What is that Is that coming out or is that What is that Is that a book or a documentary A movie
0: Documents. A movie
3: Oh that's yeah. all Can't wait Can't wait Now that I'm interested in Yeah There's
0: a the reason why whenever I have This is my second time with Gary I don't bring up uh, Al Adamson's death when I have him on there. Look Is it that up. Right? Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you why after the show, but just. just.
3: Right. Well, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: And thank you guys again for 400 episodes, and thank you. This. This has just been one of the fun, more fun episodes
3: It was fun It was, had one it, of the best movies
0: King K knew what the hell he was doing But Shaw didn't believe him or trust him So he said, screw you And left Shaw And right. did some great movies on his own
3: And you know, I'm, I'm one of them type of people You, you, know, you know, I'm not a, a big podcast dude I do this because because of one reason, and that's because when we talk, it's like talking to, a, you know, your best friend or a good friend for two hours, you know, and bullshitting about movies. This is like the what used to be in the old days. You know, when you would go rent some movies with a friend and sit and watch them, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night and watch them or watch them on cable together and then sit and bullshit about movies, during, you know, for a couple hours. It's what this is. It's about bullshitting about movies we love. And I, uh, you know... For sure. Well, like I said, congratulations on 400.
0: Okay. Thank you, and thank you everybody, and goodbye until Wednesday.
3: Good night. That's it, man.
1: Game over, man. Game over.
0: gun open the circuit let the pressure increase It's that phone all the ship's energy is now in the wave motion
1: gun i doubt anyone here would recognize civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass oh did i hurt your feelings the well, magneto's right there's a war coming danger will robinson danger you sure you're on the right side